James 4.17 KJV Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it is sin. I'd like to welcome everybody this morning. We appreciate an opportunity to be in the Lord's house and uh, appreciate our children this morning. And that first song they sung that he's got the whole world in his hands. And, uh, it's just a children's song. We look at it that way, but the uh, Lord's got everything we're going through in his hands. We just got to be, uh, it's hard. You know, we're never going to understand everything we go through in life, but it's hard to just uh, have that face sometimes to just uh, turn things over to him and lead follow his leadership and guidance, but uh, we look forward to having a great service today, and uh, we just pray that we can see some people move and get what they need this morning. Uh, Master Brother Ethan dismisses Sunday school.
Good to be here this morning. Appreciate everybody being out on a cold, snowy Sunday. Glad the roads are good enough to get out. Desire your prayers. I was talking with Carl just a little before service, and, uh, before Sunday school started, and we were talking about this lesson. And uh, It's about King Jehoshaphat. I said he was an interesting character. And we talked a little bit, and Carl said, that kind of sounds like all of us. I said he, he, he did some good things and he did some bad things. Uh, and so and certainly d describes uh, me, I feel like. Uh, so... But we're going to be in the book of Second Chronicles, and we're going to be in the 20th chapter. Just a few things about the book of Chronicles. It was written uh, as a chronicle. It was written as a history or, or a, a remembrance of the things that the people had done, the kings had done, and that Israel and Judah had done down through the years. Probably written by Ezra, who also wrote the book of Ezra. But it is a chronicle or a listing of, of actions and things uh, and how God helped uh, the children of Israel and Judah. And so King Jehoshaphat, an interesting, interesting fellow, he was, as best I can tell, he was David's great, great, great grandson. Uh, he's certainly in the lineage of David, and I believe that that's, that's probably about right. Now, keep in mind, King David was reigning around 1,000 B.C. Uh, Jehoshaphat was born probably around 900 B.C., so about 100 years approximately later. Um, and uh, he started reigning maybe 25 years after that, so he was maybe 30 or... 25 or 30, somewhere in that range, when he started reigning. And he, he reigned about 25 years. Um, so this lesson, uh, chapter 20, and the lesson the, uh, starts at verse 13, and we're going to back up a little bit, as I, I, I often do, but from 13 to 20 are the, the verses of this lesson. So as we get to chapter 20, what we find out is as soon as we start chapter 20, Jehoshaphat is king and he's reigning uh, over Judah, not over Israel, because at this point Israel and Judah had broken into two separate kingdoms. So Israel had a king and Judah had a king. Uh, so he's the king over Judah. As we get to this lesson at the beginning of chapter 20, what we find is that there is a messenger that comes to Jehoshaphat and he says, man, we got big problems. Uh, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the people of Mount Seir have all gone, come together and formed one big army, and they're headed our direction. We got problems. All right? So I want to talk about life and the things that we do and how it leads to problems that sometimes we create for ourselves. All right, that's the first thing I want to look at here. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you back up two chapters to chapter 18, you can see that Jehoshaphat made some mistakes that, in my opinion, led directly to the Moabites and the Ammonites and the people of Mount Seir deciding that they wanted to march on Judah. 
well, why would that be? Well, if you look back, and, and we, I, I, I guess I do want to read a couple of verses from, from chapter 18. So if you want to look back there, uh, chapter 18, uh, there was a king over Israel named Ahab, and, and he was a wicked fellow. Ahab was not a good guy. Uh, you know, if you were watching TV, he's the guy wearing the dark suit and the, in the dark light and always, you know. But Ahab... Uh, reached out to Jehoshaphat and really uh, he, he kind of he, he laid it on pretty thick. He told him what a great guy he was. He gave him gifts. He had him come down and had a big banquet for him. And while he was down there having this banquet for him, uh, Ahab in verse, I think it's verse 3, yeah, and Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth Gilead? Now, Ramoth Gilead was full of people that were descendant of Manasseh. So from a natural standpoint, it looks like, well, yeah, these are people that should still be part of the kingdom of Israel. That's probably a pretty good thing. Let's go down here and we're going to, we'll, we'll take them back over and we'll make them back part of Israel. We'll kind of reunite things. So from a natural standpoint, kind of made sense, all right? And he answered him. So listen, Jehoshaphat answered him. I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. So he asked him, and he said, yeah. And then look what he did. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Who's ever said, yep, I'll do that, and then thought, Man, I better pray about that. I'll raise my hand. I'll admit it. I've done it. Am I the only one? Am I the only honest one in the whole house today? <laughs> so he says, yeah, and it looks like from a natural standpoint makes sense. We've got to be careful where we obligate ourselves. We should pray. He should have said, let's inquire of the Lord before he answered Ahab. And that got him in a whole mess of trouble. Ahab gets killed. Jehoshaphat almost gets killed. Ahab basically set him up to try to get him killed. But this all happens. Jehoshaphat comes home. A prophet comes down and, and kind of reads him the riot act and says, you better straighten up. You've made some mistakes. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And Jehoshaphat turns back towards God in his credit and starts trying to do what the prophet said. But it's just not very long after that happened that this big army shows up. Folks, the stuff we do from day to day is not done in a vacuum. When we do things, it will hurt our influence. It will hurt our ability to do things. Now, God was still good to Jehoshaphat. He saved him from getting killed. But when we do things contrary to what God wants, get out in front of God's will, it will have an impact on our life. Now that doesn't mean that God is going to forsake us and, and will forget us, because as we get into this lesson, you'll see what a blessing he was to Judah. But I think, had Jehoshaphat not gone down and aligned himself with Ahab, I don't think that this particular big battle ever occurs. I don't think they ever amass and go, huh, look down there. 
Judah and Israel just got the brakes beat off of them. I think they're pretty ripe for us to go down there and take over. Why don't we go see what we can do? All right? So that's where we're at. Um, so what does Jehoshaphat do? Well, he has learned some things. When he's over here with Ahab, and Ahab says, let's go have a war, he says, sure thing. Well, let's inquire of the Lord. This time, the first thing he does is calls everybody together and has this beautiful prayer right in the midst of all his people. As a young king, this prayer is astonishing. But if we can get in our heart to where Jehoshaphat is in this prayer, then we're in the right place. God can use us and will bless us. So let's look here at some of this prayer. Uh, the prayer starts probably in about verse 6. So we're chapter 20, verse 6. Let's just start there. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, and not thou God, art, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen, and in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. So he's saying right off the bat, Lord, we realize how great that you are. We know how wonderful you are. You control everything. So he's acknowledging how wonderful that God is. Let's jump down to verse 10. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. So he's praying in front of the people, and he's saying, these folks that are coming against us, we had the chance to, to defeat them in battle, but you wouldn't let us go that way. So, we, Lord, we're really needing your help because now they've teamed up together and they're headed toward us. Let me see here. Where else did I want to get? Let's, let's back up and get verse 9. Verse 9 is relevant because it relates back to something that Solomon prayed when he dedicated his temple, which would have, Solomon would have been uh, Jehoshaphat's great-great-grandfather. Okay, so let's get verse 9 here. If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence and cry unto thee in our affliction, then without hear and help. So if you go back in the seventh chapter of Second Chronicles, you can read Solomon's prayer. And Solomon's prayer and what God told Solomon was very much what Jehoshaphat's praying here. If my people who are called by my name will call upon the name of the Lord, I'll hear their cry and I'll send help. And Jehoshaphat knows of that. He's heard that. And he's kind of repeating that to the Lord saying, Lord, you told us when we're in this spot, if we would get right and call on you, you'd send some help. I'm calling. You know, it's pretty remarkable if you think about that. Uh, he's saying, yep, I am. And he's not doing all this in a closet, folks. He's doing all of this out in public, right in front of all the people, right in front of the same temple that Solomon built and dedicated. Okay, let's jump down to verse 12. 
And our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Let that sink in for a minute. Here's this young king. Now, I don't know how long he'd been king, but it hadn't been very long. Maybe a few years, okay? And he's king over Judah, and he's standing before Judah, and they all know what's there's a big army coming, all right? And he's their leader. He's the guy that's supposed to be inspiring them, all right? We got a battle. Let's get ready. Let's go. So what does he say? He says, Lord, we have no might against this company. Well, that's not too inspiring. When we get to the point, <clears throat> whether it's something huge or something we feel like we've got under control, when we get to the point that we realize as Christians that we need God to direct our steps, then we're in the place that God wants us and needs us. Okay, we shouldn't wait until it's the Moabites and the Ammonites and Mount Sire joined up as an army right in our backyard getting ready to, to maybe defeat us to get to that point. We should be there every day, all right? The small things. Well, why is that important? Well, it's about faith. And if you don't exercise faith, you don't give it a chance to grow. When you exercise faith in the small things and the medium-sized things, when that big thing gets there, it's easier at that point to exercise that faith in God. You've developed that relationship somewhere in this lesson, and maybe we'll get to it. He says, you shall be established. Exercising that faith on a daily basis is part of being established. We have to have a relationship with God. And we've heard this preached, and I love it so good. God should not be used as an emergency kit that you keep in the trunk of your car. All right? Now, God is able and can deliver if that's where you're at. It's good to turn to Him, but it's better... To not use him as an emergency kid, it's better to use him as a daily devotional and turn to him first every day. And so Jehoshaphat's here in front of all of his people and he says out loud right in front of them, this army's too big for us, Lord. We, we can't, we don't know what to do. We need your help. He's exactly where God wanted him. From a natural standpoint, this people may have expected more of a speech like you'd get in Braveheart where, you know, he whips them all up into a frenzy and says, let's go get them, and they run across the field toward them in battle. But that wasn't what was needed. Neither know we what to do. <coughs> if you take a step before you've inquired of God, you're probably taking the wrong step. 
Okay. Now, God has blessed me a few times, and I've taken a step thinking or kind of hoping that that was the right step, and then would turn to God and pray, and he wouldn't necessarily always make me turn around and come back where I started and then go another direction. But how do you know you're in the right place unless you inquire God? See, Jehoshaphat learned from his experience over there with Ahab. He's learned some things. So, you know, good for him. We should learn from our mistakes, and he did. Last thing he says here in verse 12 but our eyes are upon thee. Too big for us. We don't know what to do. We're looking to you, Lord. Help! Exactly where he wanted Ahab's heart as the leader of Judah. Exactly where he wants my heart. Exactly where he wants your heart. Whether it's a big mountain or something small we should be looking to him saying the same thing. We don't know which direction to go without you. Help! All right. Anybody have any comments before we move on? Okay, verse 13. Um, let, me, let me jump off here before we get to verse 13. There's a couple of more things I wanted to tell you about. Uh, that I thought were interesting. So this army that's coming against Judah, the Moabites and the Ammonites, we read about them all the time. We, if you read through the Bible, you know, uh, you know the Moabites and Moab and the Ammonites, uh, they were close to Israel. They, as far as where they were at there, they were in the same country. The Moabites and the Ammonites, Moab and Ammon were the two sons of Lot that he had in an incestuous, drunken relationship with his two daughters. All right? Right after God had brought Lot out of Sodom. All right? So that's these that's these two countries. That's their descendants. That's the people that are that are marching out. Mount Seir was part of Edom, E D O M. Descendants of Esau. All right? So these are all cousins of the Israelites they are all right and they're probably and through the history of the Bible the Old Testament maybe the biggest thorns in the sides of, of the Israelites or some of them anyway again our actions have consequences the actions of people that knew better and should have followed God and didn't and their sin and their descendants continue to bring problems on Israel and on Jerusalem. So just thought that was interesting. But that's who these folks are, all right? They're, they're the second and third cousins of the, of, of the Israelites uh, when, you, when you go back and look at it. So verse 13. So here's where our lesson is starting. So um, this prayer is being prayed, and all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their kids are there, all right, their wives, their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, of the sons of Asaph, 
came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. So the king's up in front, probably on a stage of some sort. Everybody's gathered out. They've come from far and wide to hear what the king has to say, and he's saying this prayer. And there's this fellow out in the midst of the congregation, and it, it tells his lineage, and Asaph was, if you go back, there's actually some of the Psalms in the book of Psalms that Asaph wrote. He was a singer and would sing for David uh, at the time that David was actually alive, and he wrote some of those Psalms. So this fellow, I don't know if he was a direct physical descendant of Asaph, but that was, it says he was a son of Asaph, which was also a term used for somebody else that was in that profession. So he was a singer and maybe would come when called upon and sing for the king. So he was somebody that the people knew. I mean, he wasn't, you know, unknown, but not necessarily the person that you would think that the spirit would fall on out in the congregation and give him something to say. But I would say his heart was where it was supposed to be. All right? As we gather in here today, pastor will probably get up, some singers will get up, but God sometimes will reach back over here or over here or back there and put something on somebody's heart. Maybe they've got maybe it's somebody that sings sometimes and they get a song on or maybe it's somebody that doesn't say very much in church, and the Lord may give them a testimony and something to say. The important thing here is the Spirit of God fell on this person and gave them something to say. Who's ever been in a service, and I've actually done it myself, so I'll tell on myself. Who's ever been in a service and things were kind of dragging a little bit or it seemed kind of slow, and you thought, Man, I can probably help this right here. I'll, I'll say a little something and kind of move things along. Just on your own. Or who's ever seen somebody else that you're pretty sure did that? All right? All right? Have you ever been in a service when things were going real good and there might even be some shouting and all of a sudden there's a noise and somebody's shouting and it kind of sends a cold chill down your backbone? Anybody ever been there? I have. I'll just, you know, I'm just being honest, all right? The Spirit will judge the actions and the fruit, okay? I've heard people shout, and if the Lord was anywhere near it, it, it I missed it. That's just, that's just my assessment, okay? Now, I'll be honest, folks. I have attempted to do some things and been in the same spot, Okay? We're going to make mistakes if we're trying to serve the Lord. If we're going to do anything for the Lord, occasionally you're going to miss it. That's just the way it is. If you're going to do anything in any endeavor, you're okay. Brent's in construction, and he does a great job. I've had him do some stuff for me. But occasionally Brent will make a mistake on something. If you're going to make an omelet, you're going to break some eggs, right? I mean, you've heard that saying before. I mean, I try to do stuff correctly legally, and sometimes I'll get a document already and think, man, that's exactly what they need, and I'll send it to them, and they'll send it back and go, you misspelled my name. 
Sorry about that. All right. So we're going to make some mistakes if we're doing something for the Lord. So Jehaziel, the Lord impresses him and says, I got a message that you need to deliver to my people. Verse 15. And he said, Hearken, all Judah. In other words, Hey, listen, I got something to say. And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. The Lord has impressed me with something I need to tell you. If you read on down, they recognize that it was the Lord. Same thing I'm talking about. When somebody stands up here and sings, and heaven moves, and you can really feel it, and sometimes the church lifts their head and rejoices, that's because that's the Spirit of the Lord. And sometimes, and we've got good singers, and sometimes, and I've got up and felt like getting up, or somebody requested me to get up and get up and sing and do the best I could, and the Lord not be anywhere near it, as far as I could tell. And that was me trying. So again, it can happen to anybody. So should we just quit trying? I remember at Albert Street years ago, I was burnt up with a song. I mean, I, I couldn't wait for him to get out of the way so I could get up. I mean, I was burnt up. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was just sure it was going to go to the mountain. Man, I was ready. And I got up and never hit a lick. I mean, I sung the song okay, as good as I can sing it. But if the spirit was anywhere near it, I couldn't tell it. Now that's a mystery to me. Maybe I got too excited and thought, okay, this is going to really be good. I'm going to show them. I don't know. But, um, but the next time I got a song, I just said, Lord, help me. I'll do the best I can and got up and went after it again. So we're going to make mistakes, but it's no place to quit. Okay, verse 15. Here's what he tells them. I love this. Be not afraid. All right. When God is in the midst, he makes us uncomfortable. He puts us in situations that we don't want to be in. He gets us out of our, you know, our comfort zone. If we knew we were going to get up, and if I knew I'd get a hold of the Lord every time I got up and sung, maybe that's why that happened. Maybe it was just to keep me in the right spot and realize it's him and not me. But I'd be hard to keep down. I'd be wanting to get up and sing the whole time every time we got here if I knew the Lord was going to just bless real good every time. But he's telling them here, and there, think of this spot. This huge army's coming. The king just said, Lord, we need your help. We, don't, we can't do this on our own. And he says, don't be afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. There's a big number out there. Don't worry about it. Okay. God ever told you that? The one song that I think it's uh, Taylor and Katie sing. I, 
think it's them about being able to lay down at night right in the midst of a storm and sleep real good. You ever been able to do that? I have a few times. Sometimes I worry, you know, and we shouldn't worry if we just turn it over to the Lord, but sometimes it's hard to not worry. But there's been a few times where he's just come along and said, I'm going to take care of this. And I said, thank you, Lord. You know, thank you, Lord. I mean, I got to know when the Spirit started moving here and JZL is talking to them, I got to know that they started in their heart saying, thank you, Lord. Because there's a witness there. If their heart was in the right place, they could get connected and feel that. They knew what was being said was right. When God gives it to you, thank you, Lord. You know. This last part of verse 15, we could, we could teach a lesson for months on just this last sentence in verse 15. For the battle is not yours, but God's. What battle are you fighting? Again, I'll tell on myself. I pick up battles of my own making, of my own design, of my own looking at it with this mind right here and thinking, yeah, that looks pretty good. I can understand Ahab looking down there at Ramoth Gilead and these folks that were the descendants of Manasseh going, they used to be part of my kingdom. I'm going to go down there and get them back. I can understand, you know, from a natural standpoint, that, kind, that makes sense. We got to be careful what battles that we're fighting. There are things that are correct that are not your battle to fight. Think about that. God doesn't set us into every battle. He directs us where he wants us to go. He understands it better than we do. He looks at it from above. He knows what the future is. I don't know what the future is. But when we're in God's battle where God wants us, we can then relax in that comfort that we don't have to be afraid it's his battle, not our battle. So be careful what battles that you move into because maybe it's not where God wants you. How do you know that? How do I know that? Well, you pray and God will tell you. So if you pray for a month and there's a deadline and the deadline is today and you still don't have an answer, then just jump on in, right? I've done that. I've had, a, I've had either a man-made or my own deadlines that I've put in my mind or somebody said, well, you got, we got to know by the 15th. And I'm praying and I don't get an answer. And I don't get an answer. And I don't get an answer. And I'm going, God, I need an answer by the 15th. That's tomorrow. I need to know. And the 15th comes and you don't get an answer saying, yeah, engage in that. You know what you should do? You should stand still. Don't be like Jehoshaphat was back there with Ahab and go, yep, I'm going to do that. That's all right, ain't it, Lord? 
Not a good place to be. Anybody have any comments? I think it's so important that Jehoshaphat did not have this prayer in private. You think about that. It would have been easy. I might have wanted to, you know, as the king. I might have said, Lord, you know, this is where my heart's at, but I don't want all these people following me to realize that that, you know, but they all needed to know and learn that lesson, and their children needed to learn that lesson. So, good comment. Anybody else? 16. And this is still uh, this is still Jehaziel talking here. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Huh? What? If I'm in the crowd, I'm, that's, that's where I'm starting to question the spirit a little bit. I might have been saying, hey, could you repeat that? Ye do not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. That's a hard one. Because when there's a problem... I like to get my hand moving and try to fix it. My kids used to laugh at me. You, get, you all know three of the four of them played sports in high school and, and college, a couple of them. And they'd get injured. I mean, they'd twist ankles and hurt shoulders and hurt knees. And, and, and my family laughed at me because, you know, if you call the doctor and go have a doctor's appointment and then go to St. Rita, I mean, it might take a week or 10 days to get an MRI. We never waited 10 days to get an MRI. Never. I don't know about now because I'm kind of out of the loop, but then there were four or five places that I could get them into today to get an MRI. We drove to Columbus. We drove to Tip City. We drove to Decatur. We drove to Fort Wayne. We got our MRI today. Because I wanted to know how bad is this injury. And they wanted to get back to playing. It was important. I wanted to be doing something and getting my hand after it and trying to fix it. So he's telling them, go out tomorrow and you're not going to need to fight. Which is a relief. I mean, it's a joy if you think about what he's telling them. But it would have been, I would have I been one of those that would have still been sharpening my spear and my sword. Okay, I would have been getting my, my whatever equipment I needed, I would have been getting it ready. Anybody else there with me? I mean, that's just me. I would have still been doing it. I would have been saying, wow, that's great. We're not going to have to fight. I'm going to go get my spear and my sword and my shield, and I'm going to be ready anyway. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not. Be not dismayed. Okay. 
And Jehoshaphat bowed his head, this is verse 18, with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's what they're saying right here. Thank you. The Spirit has borne witness of this message, and they're claiming it. Okay? Now, I'm not one, if the Spirit doesn't tell me that, that something's going to happen, or that I'm not one to say, well, go ahead and claim, and, and that's a discussion for another day. But the few times that the Lord has come through, and I've really been in a tough spot, and he said, I'm going to take care of that, I'm willing to claim that. There's been a few times. That doesn't happen every time. Not to me, all right? But there's been a few times, and I've been able to lay my head down and sleep, and I've just said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting you. All right? What comfort that is. The God of all comfort. If you really get comfort, it comes from God. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korhites stood up to praise God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And in verse 20, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. That's what I was talking about earlier. Have some faith right here. He's told us what he's going to do. Let's believe him. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. That's the end of where our lesson is supposed to stop. So nobody cares what happened, right? There's two more things, and then I'll give you a chance to, to comment, and then we'll be done. There's two more things to me that really speak volumes here, okay? The first one is what Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah did in preparing to go out to this battle. And they knew that it wasn't going to be a battle, so he believed. He didn't put in some big battle plan. He said, let's get our singers up here in the front and let's let them lead our company. Singers, all right? Not, not the warriors, not shield bearers, not equipment, if they had equipment. Singers. Probably not the best fighters of the bunch, you know. Doing a different job. Singers. When, when God gives us victory, then you can claim it, all right? And you can sing it, and you can profess it when, when that spirit comes through and really gives that to you. Jehoshaphat did. I love his faith here. I mean, he's doing what he's telling them to do, just as Brent was saying. He's actually showing them. He's not just telling them. And telling them is important, but showing them is more important. The next thing that happens is these three armies, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the people of Sire, have a disagreement amongst the three of them and turn on each other before Judah ever gets there. By the time that Judah gets to where the battle was supposed to take place, the entire army of the Moabites, the Ammonites, 
and the Mount Seir, they're all dead. They all turned on each other and killed each other. For three days, the people of Judah went into the field and collected the money and the jewels and the things that were valuable off of the dead army and there was so much they couldn't carry it all. And they turned and went home. They never had to fight. What a, you know, what a great story, and it's a true story, it's not made up, but what a tr- great account of God's blessing on his people